This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Lots to do in this edition of the show. We're going to recap the weekend, and we'll see what Gordon thinks about the Yankees. That's all next on ESPN New York Tonight. 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Gordon Damer, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Yes, Jake the Snake Montgomery and Brian the Good Vibes McGee along as well. Hello, Gordon. How was your weekend? Larry, it was a, it was a good weekend. Fun weekend of football. And uh, unfortunately, we only have three games left in the season, which is a little depressing. But a uh, good weekend of football. How about you? I enjoyed it. I had a good weekend. It was a good weekend of football. Much like you, we were on the air this weekend. And it's funny because you were on the air right before the game started. And I came on the air Sunday near the end of the Kansas City game and right before the Green Bay game. So we both had some interesting views about the NFL. And we'll talk about that in a second. But, Gordon, I just got to touch on this Nets game for a while because I I was really interested in this game with Milwaukee, right? Because this is kind of, for me, and it's early, and we know by the time the playoffs come, there's going to be so many different changes and teams are going to be better, injuries. You just don't know what to expect. But I really wanted to see how the Nets and Milwaukee – would match up against each other, and I'll say this. It could be a really good seven-game series. Really good seven-game series. Yeah, no question. Watching them go back and forth and just – the only thing I'll say is this, and then we'll move on to the NFL, is that what Brooklyn – the advantage that Brooklyn will have if Kyrie Irving is playing is that they can always have one of their big three on the floor at all times of the game. So even when you bring your bench in, you can have Durant playing with the bench. You can have Kyrie playing with the bench. You can have uh, Harden playing with the bench. So you always have a guaranteed score that's on the floor at that time. And as defenses get better in the postseason, Gordon, that that could be the difference in what gets them to the uh, NBA championship. I'm not saying about what they gave up in terms of, you know, some of the, the core pieces that they had, because I'm sure that they will miss some of them, especially Jared Allen at, at some point. But James Harden has looked like uh, James Harden of old so far. I mean, 34 points tonight. He, he didn't shoot it great from three, but he, he does not look like he is really uh, – it, it does not look like he's only been on the team for a couple of games. He looks like he's happy to be out of Houston. <laughs> yes. And I'll be honest with you, he kind of looks like he – I'd love to know his weight loss secrets because I was looking at him on Saturday and, you know, there was so much talk about how he had gained weight before, uh, before that Laker game uh, and, you know, he just seemed like he didn't care. And then all of a sudden they got to Brooklyn and it was I – don't, I don't know what he's doing. It's working, though. Maybe he's got the same uh, protein shakes that DPHO is taking in the morning. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, it is clearly he should be doing some advertisements for it for, for, for a little while at least. Speaking of advertisements, as we talk about the National Football League, how did my fan do a brother do this weekend? Did, did, a, did a nice job this weekend. Actually, uh, actually won some money for a change. The last few weeks have been a little rough, but uh, the Buffalo Bills getting the job done. Um, I had um, a couple of winners on uh, Sunday as well. You know, I was on on Saturday. And, you know, I was talking about the Saints game. And, you know, you, you try to get a vibe going in. And it wasn't so much that the Saints had beaten the Bucks twice, but it just feel like very rarely do you get a team where the window of opportunity is so clearly defined as it is closing after this year with all the Drew Brees stuff, even before the game on Sunday with Jay Glazer saying, yes, it's definite that, that Drew Brees is retiring. It just felt like this is their last shot with this group to get back one more time. And I felt like that that was going to tell the tale. And then after the show on Saturday, you know, I'm thinking about it, I'm reading some more stuff and and just taking a look. Really, when you take a look, Drew Brees, the name is still Drew Brees, but he had not really been Drew Brees this year. So uh, I went the other way. So it actually turned out to be, uh, I thank God I did. Uh, It's one of the rare times I changed my mind on a bet and it actually paid off. I got to tell you, Gordon, I was disappointed in that game. I expected more from from both quarterbacks. Uh, and I understand that Drew Brees has been, you know, it, it's real interesting about him because when you look, he's been, I think Bart Scott pointed it out on Barton Hahn today, and I agree with him. Because he's been injured, We, it, it's like the decline hasn't been very shocking. To borrow a phrase from Max Kellerman, he hasn't fallen, he didn't fall off a cliff. 
But you could see that he was walking, he was getting closer to the edge of the cliff. But it just seemed like yesterday I felt, you know what, he's going to, this, he knows this is it. He's already mentioned, hinted out there about retirement with, with Jay Glazer and R. Schefter and all these other folks. So he's really going to just suck it up and take that and, and really perform like this is it. Like I'm putting the team on my back offensively and this is what we're going to do. And going on both sides, I just, I, Gronkowski wasn't the same. It, I was really disappointed in that game. I'll be honest with you, when the game was still up for grabs, I felt like the winner of that game was Aaron Rodgers because it's very hard to envision either of those teams had the Saints won or with the Buccaneers winning going into Green Bay and beating Aaron Rodgers. Uh, just on the, on the breeze point, um, you know, it, it, look, you could never do it because of what he means to the city, what he's meant to that franchise, but it was clear watching that game that he was the, I mean, he was the the weak link on that team. They had the defense, they have weapons, uh, and, and he just could not get the ball downfield. And he was not a guy who really could afford to lose anything on the fastball. But clearly, he had lost something on the fastball this season. And um, you know, sometimes it's tough to know when it's the right time to walk away. It's pretty clear that Drew Brees is is picking the. I mean, if anything, it's maybe a little bit late. But yeah, he's definitely walking away when there's nothing left. As it turns out, Gordon, you know what? They really miss Taysom Hill, uh, you know, yes. because of what he brings, the versatility he brings. And he probably could have opened some things up for Alvin Kamara, who really was not able to run the ball as you thought, because once once Tampa figured out, A, we yeah, don't have to blitz as much. Yep, yeah, absolutely. he can't get the ball downfield. So, you know, we'll just pack the box and stop yeah. the run game. Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows you all the different ways. I mean, they bring in um, Jameis Winston to throw that pass for the touchdown. It was trying to find ways to get that win, but trying to find ways to overcome the deficiencies of Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees averaged 3.9 yards mm. per complete. If a running back had 3.9 yards per carry, that would be kind of disappointing. For a quarterback to be averaging 3.9 yards, um, yeah, I mean, clearly the last interception was not necessarily on him, but it was just his. he was the weak link. You feeling good about Buffalo and uh, KC? You know, I felt, and I've said this for a while, I just don't feel like Kansas City is the same team. Now, I know they had 1,000 mm. yards before Mahomes left the game, and, but it just does not seem to be the same juggernaut as they were last year. And I said on Saturday, whoever came out of the Ravens and Bills game, that was going to be uh, my pick to go to the Super Bowl. So I, I might, uh, you know, I have some money on the bills already, so I might mm. kind of hedge my bets a little bit here or there. But I, I just think that the Buff this is the Buffalo Bills year. I, I just don't feel – I don't know what the Mahomes situation is going to be like. I'd be very surprised if he does not play. But it just seems like um, that they are just not – they just don't click the same way. They moved the ball up and down the field but had to settle for a lot of field goals. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be that same unstoppable offense as they had a year ago. You know, and, and what's funny about them, Gordon, is they still – they're one of the few teams in the league that can go sec, second and 18, yes. and you're like, boy, this is going to be tough. How are they going to get this? And, to, and they'll get – like, they'll make third down a manageable down. Like, they'll pick up 13 or 14, and then on third down, you're like, oh, we don't know what they're going to do now. We, we They could run the ball. They could throw the ball. They could do anything. But the, they, they really – they seem better between the 20s, Gordon, than they do in the red zone. Yeah, I th and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they just don't really have a running game. I mean, yeah. I mean, they don't have a running game at all. Now, they, the weapons that they do have on offense, I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey, oh. uh, I've said this all season long, that guy is open on every single play. And if you can prove me wrong, please do so, because it seems like he is open every time they need a big play, they need a first. I mean, he's open every single play, and he gets a first down every single play. So they st I'm not telling you that the Bills are going to go and blow him out or anything like that. They still have weapons. But, you know, the, the, the rookie, Hilaire, that they that, you know thought he was going yeah. to be a big impact has not been. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, not an impact in any way in the game, even on, on, on Sunday when they could have used him to be mm -hmm. a, you know, an impact player. So I just don't think that their offense is clicking quite as well. You know, you, you saw them make, take the, the running back in the draft, and then you hear they get Le'Veon Bell. You think, oh, man, how are you going to be able to stop them? Um, they have not – it has not really added up to even as good as they were last year, even though, you know, they still went 14-2. and two, So, <laughs> it's still they, they're okay. They do all right. They, have, they hold their own. Le'Veon Bell got the money, but taking the, the year off really – obviously hurt his career. It really showed you how much he was used in Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, you know what? Pittsburgh, they lose free agents all the time. And you know what? They'll lose Juju probably this offseason, and he'll go someplace, and, and he'll cash in, and that fan base will, you know, it, it, it seems like they lose guys all the time. Very rarely do those guys ever match the production in the second place as they did in the first place. Yeah, and, and especially for Pittsburgh, they don't care because they manufacture, they build, they build wide receivers in the it's tunnel over there. It's <laughs> unbelievable how they are able to always find wide receivers. It's incredible. With speed. Yeah. Not, not, just, not just great hands, but great hands and speed. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It's ESPN New York tonight, Monday night edition on 98.7 ESPN New York, 1-800-919-3776. Hardestine Damer till midnight. And, Gordon, everybody's been talking about this. You know, more than as much as the postseason, as much as the playoffs this weekend, the divisional series, everybody's talking about Deshaun Watson, and it just gets it gets worse and worse, even though, from what I understand, did they finally zoom up Eric Bieniemy? Apparently they did, yes. <laughs> Does it? I would not think that that would make you feel all that great if that's the guy you wanted your team to interview. Uh, the, the, the owner promised you since October that you will have a say. You hire a GM without getting any input from the quarterback at all. And then when you're going through the head coaching interviews, the guy that you pinpointed as the, the number one guy on your list, it's almost like they threw like a, a sympathy interview just to kind of appease the quarterback, and it does not seem like it had the intended effect that the owner and the uh, the franchise wanted it to have. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when this is over, I don't know. I know that the NFL, we could, Gordon, we could sit and talk about the Rooney rule and what's wrong with it for about two and a half hours. But I do think that one of the things that they have to do, and I understand the fact that, you know, you, you don't want to hire a guy while he's still in the postseason and everything like that. But, I mean, you know, in a sense – you're put in a situation where if you want to bring him in and you want to hire him, Gordon, you can't hire him because he's still working. So so let's say he, you know, let's say there's somebody else. You say, you know what, well, this guy's available right now. You, let me hire him because I, I, it's still weird to me that he has not gotten a head coaching job despite the success of this Kansas City team. It is very, very odd. Uh, it is very, very strange. Now, I don't know. Maybe there is something about him specifically that, you know, he gets into interviews. And I don't know. Uh, you, you know, unless people want to go on the record for saying why they didn't want to hire him, uh, nobody's really going to know. And it's going to kind of sit out there. And it's going to be this, uh, you know, this big elephant in the room. But it does – I agree with you. It seems very, very strange. I would have thought for sure that this was going to be the year. that There was, you know, enough head coach – I think it was at seven openings this year. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems pretty clear at this point, while not all the jobs have been, have been taken, that he is going to be – now, I will say this for him, and I, I'm sure it has to be in, enraging for him, but for him to avoid a bad situation like – to me, the Lions, uh, to me, the situation with um, maybe the Eagles or the Texans. I think it's actually better for him to, you know, there's worse fates in the world than going back next year and running the offense again with, uh, you know, the, the best quarterback in the league on it and you being the offensive coordinator. So um, it has to be incredibly frustrating for him. And uh, it does seem very, very odd in a year where you had seven openings that this guy who we've been talking about for a few years now still has not gotten that job. I mean, for me, it, him and the Chargers just seem like a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, and I think that the Chargers made a very strange hire. Now, I don't know that much about Staley, but the fact that he has not really been there all that long uh, and you you know, seemingly have this, this budding quarterback, you would think you, you would want to get somebody in there that's going to maximize his talents in year two. Uh, but they decided to go the defensive route. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was a strange hire, too. How about Campbell getting another shot after he ruined your team? Uh, you know, he did okay, you know, getting thrown in the mix there when he did. But, uh, you know, is that a guy? I, 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 it's a baffling to me. I got another I chance. am old enough, Larry, that every team has a run. The Lions have never had a run. They, you know, when we talk about horrendous owners, obviously we focus on the, the New York teams. They have had one playoff win since 1957. Unbelievable. 
in a league where it's supposed to be this team's up this year, next year, you know, there's supposed to be parity. They've never been really good. They've never been good. And they just kind of skate. And I think it's another strange hire there. And it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. It's clearly an ownership issue. It can't, you know, it's one thing when you hire the wrong coach and you hire the wrong GM. When you continue, you know, there's a saying that if you, if you, if you wake up in the morning and you meet a jerk, you've met a jerk. If you wake up and you continually meet jerks throughout the day, you're the jerk. The Lions, if you're the owner and you keep hiring the wrong people, the problem is you. And clearly the Lions, the ownership there is just disaster. They're never good. Speaking of disasters, Gordon, boy, you are, boy, you are radio gold, Mr. Mr. Transition, radio gold. Dan Olavsky was on Get Up this morning, and he says the Houston Texans are a disaster. I don't think Deshaun ever plays for the Texans again. I've felt that way for a couple of weeks. I don't think he should. He's got every right to feel the way that he's fe- he feels. And this reminds me of that quote, what you do in darkness will always come to the light. There's been a lot of shady stuff that seems to have been going on for Houston. And there's deeply rooted issues with that organization, with how they treat their players, star players. And the reality that um, Deshaun Watson has just decided to expose it. But I know this. I've talked to some people that are attached to that organization. And I've asked questions. And it's worse than... It's being reported. It's worse than that can, can, can be said on television. It's a very bad situation. And I don't think we need to run from the reality that this is deeply rooted. And Deshaun Watson, this is not an ego thing. This is a necessity. He needs to get out of that organization. J.J. Watt needs to get out of that organization. Yeah. It's a poorly run place. And their star players need to get out because they're getting ruined. That's, those are strong statements from Olavsky, Gordon. But you know what? When you look and see what has happened, and they keep trying to get rid of I me. Mean, Bill O'Brien is gone. Previous general manager is gone. They're trying to make changes, but still the people that they put in position, the culture is just is still struggling, Gordon. They can't change it. Yeah, it kind of goes back. You know, It was about a month ago that Sports Illustrated had this story about this guy, Jack Easterby, who mm. is part of the, uh, the Texans front office. Uh, he started out as, I think, he was like the team pastor or, or something like that and has worked his way through the you know, minefield that I'm sure that kind of uh, you know, job is to make it all the – I don't know what his official title is. I think he might be the vice president of football operations, and it seems like that that is a major area of where this is a guy, almost like Steve Mills, who is in the owner's ear and is able to kind of pull the strings behind the scenes to make sure that he's always the one that has power and the other people are always the ones who take the fall for whatever reason, and that that is one of the reasons why, you know, that he was a big one pushing for DeAndre Hopkins to be fired, and it feels like that that's a real issue because the owner, you know, if you're looking at the Houston Texans, how do you smooth this over? Watson just got a contract extension, so it would be kind of hard <laughs> to go back and give him another contract extension. I think he's the second high, it's maybe second or third highest uh, quarterback in the league. So you'd think, all right, we'll get rid of this guy who's, you know, th- part of the issue in terms of leadership and communication and, and all these different things. But it doesn't seem like the owner has any intent on doing that. So it's, it doesn't seem like it's a situation that's going away anytime soon. And for Deshaun Watson, while he's not publicly said it, he has skin in the game now with all these reports being out there that he can't just come back and say, yeah, you know what, I changed my mind. I want to stay here. So I don't know how it's going to be resolved, but it does kind of seem like for something that a week ago or two weeks ago, people were like, there's no way he's going to get traded. Yeah. There seems to be more cracks in that now. Really, because I'm, I'm looking at this, Gordon. We had the discussion last week. If you're Houston, how do you trade this guy? This, this is a Pro Bowl quarterback at 25. Gordon, this is not a Pro Bowl quarterback at 30, 31. This is a guy who's still, who hasn't even started his prime. This is the beginning. He's going into his great years, and he's begging to get away from you. How, how would any, why would, speaking of what you said earlier, why would Eric Bieniemy even want to go there? Why would any coach want to go there when, the number your your franchise quarterback is like I want out of here. This place is crazy. And with dysfunctional organizations, and you know we've seen a few uh, <laughs> in our time here, it's almost like the iceberg, right? There's the dysfunction that you can see, but you know behind the scenes, underneath the waterline, there's way more dysfunction that you can't see. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of quarterbacks, I had a, there was a great stat that Pro Football Focus, the top five highest-rated quarterbacks for this season, four of them will be playing next weekend. The other is Deshaun Watson. So, mm. yeah, 25 years old. And, and you say about, you know, how would they ever trade him? It would seem incredible that they would – I don't think it's ever happened something along these lines ever before. The one thing that you have to keep in mind that I think every it seems like the Houston Texans don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You have to keep that in mind that that's a big factor in this, that, you know, sometimes the most obvious answer is the, uh, is the correct answer. That might be the most obvious answer. Well, they've shown they don't know. It's clear. DeAndre Hopkins to, told you that. They don't know how to keep their quarterback happy. That is ab- their franchise player, four seasons in, three-time Pro Bowler, who you already have made your franchise star in the most po- important position you have. And you have alienated him to the point where it seems like he's kind of passed the Rubicon in terms of ever wanting to play for you again. When you hear reports that said he has played his last game, while I know, you know, reporters can be a bit dramatic, that's a heck of a statement. You don't just make that statement just just throwing it up there, Gordon. There's a reason why that statement's out there. And I start singing that Will Smith song, Welcome to Miami. Come on down, buddy. We'll get the pool ready for you. We'll have everything... I mean, the list of te- you would be quicker listing the teams that would not place that call rather than the ones that will, because it's basically everyone in the NFL except for maybe three or four teams. No question about it. Gordon, let's go to the phones. Let's do it. Mark is in Newark. Mark, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Oh, my goodness. I'm batting leadoff. That's a switch. I'm usually second, Harry. Well, you know, like Jeter, you're, advers- you're, you're, you're versatile. You could bat either lead off or second. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> it's nice to gotcha. talk to you, Larry. How you doing, Gordon? Um, okay. Um, one comment will be on Deshaun Watson. I mean, uh, me loving it just the way that I do, that just makes me absolutely insane to think about being able to see that, especially since – I was jumping through my TV screen and so said we were going to get him when he was drafted, and that didn't happen. So the chance to get him now that he's even more valuable and exciting of a player is absolutely crazy to me. I'd love that. Um, but and, – and that's just from my enjoyment of watching the Jets play in football in general. Uh, but the other point I have is a little different. Um I just celebrated my 22nd wedding anniversary uh, with my beautiful wife, Sonia, on Martin Luther King's birthday. Great. Congratulations, Mark. Thank you. And um, for me, uh, after hearing the things I've heard again, um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that it's strange. I'm tired of hearing that it's weird. Um, what really got me, Larry, when I was talking to you during the pandemic, and they had that NFL Zoom call, and uh, you know, it, 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 commissioner was on there and talking about this and talking about that, and I told you I was like, yeah, okay, it sounds like you know we heard this before. It's lip service, and um, and then Deshaun got upset because his words were quote-unquote, more of the same. Uh, I don't know how I really feel right now about uh, everything in general. Uh, As I said, I just celebrated my 22nd wedding anniversary on Martin Luther King's birthday. I don't don't feel how, I don't know exactly how I feel, guys, about everything in general, Um, the way that things are. I'm just as frustrated in, in, in all of those things. But when it comes down to my entertainment value with football in particular, because I could talk about the other sports too, but I'll just leave it right here. Um, they were talking about marching, you know, for Deshaun Watson. I mean, there's a reason for that. Uh, more of the same has got to stop. And, and you had mentioned that uh, Orlovsky had, uh, I think I said his name right. Mm-hmm. Um, was you you said that you didn't was hoping that he wasn't using hyperbole because that can happen as we all know. But when you said that, I really thought about you know, am I going to call Larry and say, man, I'm never going to watch football again. I'm just so done with everything. I, 
that would be me being like Rolovsky because I, as much as I love football, that would, I'm not sure that I would believe that myself until it happened. But well, I'll say this, right Mark. Now, I'll say this, Mark, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. And once again, congratulations on your wedding anniversary. I wasn't talking about Olavsky. I was just making a general statement that because of the veracity, when somebody comes out, Gordon, and they say, this guy doesn't want to play. He's done. He's played his last game. And it's because of, you know, a misunderstanding that they didn't interview somebody you wanted Gordon, it's usually more than that. If, yes, absolutely. If, if he's walking out the door over that, it's not just because of that. So my concern was, I'm saying, you know what? Wow, if it's like that, it's really serious in Houston if he's ready to leave. Yeah, no, I mean, if you go and look at the the um, the article, the original article about the dysfunction of the, of the Texans probably was about a, a month ago. But then... Uh, almost like uh, you know Al Pacino from uh, *Scent of the Woman*, the, uh, the 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 two writers of the article. I can't. I'm blanking on their names right now. It was almost like they were just getting warmed up because they put out another story uh, just uh, a few days ago. It might have been Saturday, kind of detailing even more of the dysfunction within that team and why you know Deshaun Watson is almost to the it's to the extent that players on the team almost are telling Watson to do what is best for himself, to mm-hmm. look out for himself in this offseason. And if it means, obviously, moving to another team, that they understand. So that tells you the level of frustration within the locker room that there is. No doubt about it. And the other thing, Mark, before we get back to the phones, Greg listen. Bishop and Jenny Vrentas are the two Oh, okay, yeah, wow. <laughs> Greg Bishop was on the jet beat for a number of years, writing for the Times while I was there. Um, well, the other thing I wanted to say to Mark was, listen, don't, don't let that discourage you from watching the football. Just enjoy that. Just, just enjoy what's on the field. I know that, uh, you know, you kind of like to go deeper with it and whatnot, but just for the moments, just try to just enjoy the product on the field. And, you know, you, <laughs> there's enough that we go through in our own lives, Gordon, that we, you know, we don't need to, to, you know, right. just, just go wild into what's going on with these athletes. They'll be okay. he'll find a way him and his agents will find a way to be okay i guarantee you that jake is in jersey hey jake you're next on 98.7 gentlemen good evening happy new year hey jake i just wanted to talk about uh so i am a die i'm actually driving past that life stadium as we speak i am a diehard fan who's having a lot of trouble dissecting if i want the sean because i know our gm strength so far has been trading back in the draft and accumulating more picks. That seems to be an Ozzie Newsome Raven specialty off the tree for J.D. My question about getting to Sean is he's going to have to give up that number two pick, which becomes the most valuable pick because, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going number one. The Jets could get a bounty, maybe two, three first-round picks if anyone decides to choose Mormon, Mahomes, or Fields. I would definitely prefer to keep Donald. By the way, he's my age, and I just graduated Penn State at May. He's a kid. And I really believe in LaFleur's offense. He will be given a real chance to roll outside the pocket and see what he does. I am on the verge of thinking that Deshaun will be in a similar situation where he lacks a true defense, lacks a running game, and lacks a number one wide receiver. And let's not forget, because of the Texans and Eagles, the Jets are still the kings of, the kings of dysfunction. They might win the offseason, but they always lose the regular season. So I am definitely on the side of not trading for Deshaun Watson because I trust in Joe Douglas's drafting skills. Now, I want to hear if you guys agree with me on that, or is it worth it to give up the three and more plus first-round picks to go get your boy? All right, Jake, thanks for the phone call. Gordon, you go first. I think it's obviously worth it. You know, (laughs) as we brought up earlier, if this guy was 32 or 33 or 35, okay, he's 25 years old. He's 25. So, yes, by trading away picks right now, you might be hurting the ability to, you know, supplement the talent around him. But you have a – you know, there's a reason why those franchise quarterbacks are so highly thought of is because you can't find guys like that, and those guys cover up a lot of the other weaknesses. Now, the one thing that, you know, people have been bringing up, you know, did the Jets offer this? Did the Jets offer that? It doesn't – it doesn't matter what any of these teams are going to offer. Because Deshaun Watson has that no-trade clause, it's not about who wants him the most. 
It's about where does he want to go the most. Now, it might be the Jets. I don't know. But it, that seems a little unlikely to me. But that might turn out to be the case. I don't know. But the question is not whether or not the Jets want to give up this thing or that thing. The question, the first question you have to ask is where does Deshaun Watson want to go? For me, Gordon, it's, it's very simple. I understand what you're saying about Sam Darnold, but you're talking about what he could be in LeFleur's offense. Yeah. I know what Deshaun Watson is Absolutely. right now. Absolutely, in any offense. <laughs> I know what he is. I don't have to wonder what he's going to be. He's a three-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, I don't he's played know. four seasons. Exactly. I yeah. don't know if Sam Darnold will ever be a Pro Bowler. Okay, yeah. he may be, he may get better. He still may not be as good as what Deshaun Watson ever. So for me, I'm willing to take that chance. I will show once again, Gordon. I'm good. I can offer anything. If he doesn't want to come, it doesn't bother me. All I owe to my fan base is that we we diligently went out to try to make a deal <laughs> to get Sam Dar to get uh, Deshaun Watson. We did our best. We traded. That we asked for this number one and that number one. And come on, you know, somebody in the NFL, probably Schefter, would would be able to tell you what the Jets offered and he just didn't want to come here. So you know, once again, using your logic of he still has the no trade in there, I'm going to go for him. And you know what, Gordon? Mike Tannenbaum agrees. Here's what he had to say this morning. If I'm the New York Jets and I can come out of this with Robert Sala and Deshaun Watson, whatever it takes, pay that bill. You've just changed your franchise, hopefully, for the next 10 years, and you've done that in two weeks. So it's an unforeseen opportunity. And candidly, guys, that's what great organizations do. That could be Amazon, Johnson & Johnson, any company in the world. They're opportunistic when they see an unexpected opportunity sitting in front of them. So if I'm the Jets... I don't get off the phone with Nick Casario without getting a deal done. And if I have to overpay by throwing in an extra second or third round pick or another young player that we may like, like a Denzel Mims, throw it in there because you know what? You could go find another Denzel Mims. Deshaun Watsons are way too hard to find. I mean, Gordon, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, well, look, and, no and the thing that they're set up well, and, and you know, I, I can understand, like, if the trade is, hey, we take all of your draft picks and you only get the quarterback, I can understand the hesitancy, but you have two first-round picks this year. You have two first-round picks next year. If you give up, the, the obviously, the two is, is the starting point. If you give up another pick next year, another your number one next year, whatever that's going to be, or the higher uh, draft pick, okay, fine, that's two number ones. You'll probably have to give up a third here. or you know, You have a bevy of picks. So, again, I don't really think that the question to be asked is, oh, did the Jets do this? Clearly the Jets will do this. If you get the chance to get somebody like Deshaun Watson, you do it. I think the real question is whether or not where he wants to go. And I bet you this is not going to be wrapped up quickly, right? Like the Texans aren't going to say, well, you know what? He doesn't want to play for us. Oh, well, we're going to – this is going to – Watson is going to have to show that he is invested enough that he will not play games for the Texans – and if he remains on that team. And I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon in this offseason. So this might go into a lot closer to training camp than we think right now. So I, I don't think that it's going to be wrapped up anytime soon. So I think that the draft very well could be gone by the time. It feels like that the Texans will drag their feet to, uh, to, to be forced to make a trade like this. I think that they might, it might end up happening that way, but it's not going to come quickly. And that could hurt them, Gordon, because then if you're the Jets and you have to make a decision on what you're doing with your draft choice, you're like, what, 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 what are you going to tell me? Draft day? You're going to call me <laughs> and say, well, yeah, I, look, say, yeah let's pull the trigger? <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a greater possibility. Now, look, these things, there's talks behind the scenes. People mm -hmm. have information from everywhere. So I think that there will be a lot of backdoor wheeling and dealing if it does become clear that there is some, you know, if there's finally starting to be some cracks in the Texans' uh, belief that he is not going anywhere or their desire to trade him. So, but I do think that, yeah, absolutely, it could come down to around the draft or, or, or a lot deeper into the, uh, the offseason. I would not be surprised if it took place even past that. You mean like as long as it took for the Yankees to sign DJ? Even longer. Even <laughs> longer. I know everybody was holding their breath there. But, uh, you know, for, I would think for the Texans, right, they know if they trade this guy, the rain of poop that is going to come down on their heads it's going to be all day, every day. So the last thing, they want to, you know, uh, 
exhaust every possibility before they, they give in to somebody's trade demand. But the way it's making it seem right now is that Deshaun Watson has made up his mind. He is not playing for them again. How long it takes the Texans to accept that possibility, I can't imagine it's going to be quick. Uh, I agree. Going to say back to the phones. Hondo is in Woodbridge. Hey, Hondo, you're next on 98.7. What's going on, guys? How we doing? Hey, Hondo. Um, real quick, just like Mark, I'm actually celebrating my uh, my first anniversary uh, tomorrow. So, hey, congratulations! That, uh, thank you, thank you. Made you. it one year. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, I made it one year in quarantine where we had to get locked down in a house, so they really put us to test right away. That's right. <laughs> but we you made make it, it so, through this. You can well, make it through anything. That's right. That's right. That's right. So um, I just wanted to say, I, I heard just something, I think it was on Greeny's radio show, or it might've been on get up, but it was uh, Rex Ryan was on and, and he mentioned, he goes in his 20 years of coaching in the NFL, he never had a franchise quarterback. And what a big deal that is to have one. So if you're one of these teams that, you know, is looking for a quarterback, you, like you said before, and Tannenbaum mentioned it earlier, like you have to at least give an offer. You know, you have to go out there and say, hey, this is what we're willing to give up for Watson because he's already established. You know, all these rookies coming in, you know, with all the hype in Lawrence, you know, who knows? He might not be that guy that they think he's going to be. You know, so I'm not saying the Jaguars to get rid of the first pick, but, you know, how can it not be out there? Because if I had asked you who would you want right now starting as your quarterback next year, Watson or Lawrence, who, who would you guys pick? <laughs> it's not even close, uh, It's not though. even close to that. <laughs> I mean – yeah, but that's my point, right? Yeah. So, like, all these teams have to, you know, really, really think about this and say, hey, if he really wants out and all these things are true, you know, we might have to put something together and send it over to Houston because, you know, if we could take this guy, you know, like you said, at the age of 25, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, but see, Hondo, I think you have it reversed. Is like you're saying that the teams have to send offers over to the Texans. If the Texans do decide, okay, we're going to move them, Watson will tell the, the, the Texans who he wants to go to, and then they'll contact you. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, the idea that the Texans will be making this decision on their own. If he didn't have a no-trade clause, yes, the best trade offer yeah. would win out. Yeah. But I, that's not going to be the situation here. But don't you think Watson would still want, you know, to hear offers from other teams as well, besides him just saying, well, I want to go to – I think it's going to depend on the organization. You know, if you're leaving an organization because of its dysfunction, you want to go to an organization that you can believe in, a coach that you believe in, an owner that you feel good about, and and I think, you know, quality of life type of things as well might play into it too. I know he's from Georgia. Maybe that means the Falcons are bigger players than we think. Right? I mean, remember when Peyton Manning got released? And it was clear mm-hmm. he was going to play someplace else. The first place everybody says, oh, it's going to be Miami. It's going to be this place. It's going to... Nobody said Denver right off the bat. <laughs> so I think that that's the type of situation that you're looking at again. You know, what Deshaun Watson actually wants is going to be the biggest factor in this if and when the Texans come to grips with the fact that he's not going to play for them again. Once again, congratulations, Hondo. Gordon, what, what did Rex... Wasn't Joe Flacco a, a franchise quarterback? Paid like one when he was with the Ravens. And when Rex came here, he was like, hey, I knew. I told him, Flacco, that was the kid that they should start. They'd be paid the Super Bowl. Wasn't he, wasn't he paid as a franchise quarterback, Gordon? Yeah. And didn't he, uh, didn't he, ha- doesn't he have a tattoo of Mark Sanchez's jersey number? Yes, he does. On his arm, or his, I don't want to go into where the tattoo is, but I know he has it somewhere on his body. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So, But, look, I, I understand what he's saying, and, and his point is, Gordon, and which we all understand. They're not – they don't grow on trees. No. Okay? You, no. When you have a if franchise a quarterback – why this has never yeah. happened before. Exactly. And you normally don't give them up whether they're angry. Normally, you don't, you don't give them the opportunity to be angry. <laughs> Normally right. you take care you of You failed the first test, you dummies. <laughs> you want him to be happy forever, forever. Yes. Yeah. And Gordon, here's the other thing, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, up against the break. Here's the other thing, too. It's very simple. You knew once uh, they made the trade to send the wide receiver away, you knew that you really had to work hard to make sure that you kept him happy. So this is, not, this is nothing that's new. You knew when he was that that was his number one option offensively you had to do something to keep him happy after that yeah and the idea you know there was a time in the NFL 
maybe not that long ago where owners just told, you know what, you just shut up and you play and we'll tell you what to do and, you know, everything else. Players have far more power now, and Deshaun Watson seems like he is ready to exercise some of that power. Especially with the no trade. that That's a little power, a little leverage, a little leverage. It is leverage, yep. Gordon and I talking about uh, the Deshaun Watson situation. We'll expand. We'll talk a little bit about the New York Yankees finally playing sweet music to DJ LeMay who, and getting a pitcher whom many of you probably didn't expect they would get. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Let's head back to the phones. Gary is in Houston. He joins us next on 98.7. Yes, hey, sir. How, how you guys doing? I'm good, Gary. Yeah, I was just calling. I, I called in originally about James Harden. You guys are going to absolutely love him. Congratulations for y'all to get, for getting him. Uh, <laughs> he will score... 40 points or more several times this season, but just be prepared. When when game seven comes down, he's going to disappear. The other thing I called about uh, was Deshaun Watson. He's only sent out two tweets, and Cal, the owner, Cal, well, Cal's not actually the owner. His mother is, but Cal is... Uh, I think he's. <laughs> I hate to say that he's he's smart enough to know that uh, that Washington is too valuable to lose, um, and I don't think that Watson's going to go to anywhere else that has a- any more dysfunction than Houston does. And from what I understand, New York is certainly not one of those places. <laughs> you would not think, right, Gary? I would agree with you. Uh, you are correct in your assessment there that generally if you're looking to get away from an organization because of its dysfunction, the first team on your list is not typically the New York Jets. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, it's yeah, a good uh, day for the Jets. But, you know, I, look, I'm not going to rule them out because who knows, maybe, you know, through NFL circles, he knows Joe Douglas or maybe he wanted Robert Sala to be the, the Texans coach and he's ticked off at that. So I'm not going to rule it out. You know what? Also, you know, we, we're going to crush the Jets if they don't end up getting him. People, oh, the Jets should have got him. Blah blah blah. The Giants should be on that phone. You know, if it's up to making calls to make a, a trade happen, the Giants are on that list of teams. Is I mean, the the list of teams is basically the entire NFL, right? Uh, but outside of maybe four or five teams, the Giants need a quarterback too. That would yeah. be a huge upgrade for them. Definitely would be. Definitely would. There's no question about that. No question about that at all. Thanks, Gary. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing, man? Hey, Buddha. Hey, listen, um, two light points and then the elephant in the room. Um, first, very light point. Um, I don't know if anybody watched that UFC fight, but that boy Max Holloway, you know, he put on a striking exhibition. It was beautiful, man. And I was switching back and forth between that and the Green Bay, but, I mean, that fight was very exciting, man especially on ABC, you know. Um, you know, with, the, with the, the Cleveland game, man, I mean, when Chad Cognac threw that interception, man, I really thought that Cleveland had a chance to win that game. <laughs> and, you know, I felt bad. I was pulling for them, man. I really was, man. But, um, you know, in a lot of ways, the way that Kansas City keeps, like, everybody in the game and also with Mahomes being hurt, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to pass him on that protocol, but he ain't, he's not going to be 100%. You know, Buffalo has a chance next week, man. You know, um, let's be honest, man. Josh Allen is the Howard Hessman of that 2018. He's the head of the class, baby. He's he's, a, he's above Lamar Jackson. He's above Baker Mayfield. He's definitely above Sam Donald. And um, they they definitely got to punch his chance with him, man. But uh, um, the, the stat you know, Buddha that I brought up on Saturday, the Chiefs have not mm-hmm. beaten a team by more than six points since week eight. Week eight was the last time they, um, they, they, they beat a team by more than six points. So that tell you know, like we in our minds this year felt like, oh, it's the Chiefs and everybody else after the way that they ran through the NFL last year and won the Super Bowl. They're not the same team this year. They just like they, they can do it at times, but they are not the same team. No, they're not. And listen, I would give them I don't think it would have been a blowout if Patrick Mahomes was healthy. Gordon, because it's it, w- when we look at Kansas City's defense, we're, they're not the '85 Bears. <laughs> okay, no. this is a this is a defense that bend and don't break. They bend and break sometimes. So the secondary is the weak part. Um, and you know, 
for them to be successful, you know, it, it's funny for them. You usually defenses tell you, well, we want to stop the run and make teams one dimensional. They really don't want to stop the run. They don't want you to pass on them. They kind of would rather you run the ball because they have. They really do a, a better job, I think, going against the run than they do against the pass. And you look at that loss for Cle- – I mean, I, look, it's not going to be on the top five most painful loss playoff losses for the Browns, but they had, you know, they, they have the fumble through the end zone, that yep. stupid rule, which, which helped me. But, you know, I know a lot of people were ticked off about. Um, so that, you had that play. You had the interception by Mayfield as well. And they still had some chance, and they had all the drops, right? Yeah. Um, um, uh, the uh, Chubb with all the drops out of the backfield. So, yep. you know, if they had just played, and maybe this is part of the process, right, of getting back in the playoffs, you, you have to taste that that pain before you're ready to, to to take that next step. But they had some opportunities in that game against Kansas City, even before I think, um, even before Mahomes was knocked out. I know it was tw- I think it was twenty. Was it nineteen to three when he got knocked yeah. out? And he mm-hmm. had moved the ball a lot, but they're just not—they're just not as electric as an offense this year. Plus, they missed two field goals, you right. know. So, so which also tells you that there's extra pressure on you trying to get, you know, sevens. Which we, obviously you want to get sevens anyway. But clearly, in the game when you just come off your—you don't know about your field goal kicker. You know what? That puts extra pressure on you in the red zone. You got to get seven. You can't rely on this guy. Yep, absolutely. And and look, it took a couple of big calls for Kansas City. That fourth and one, that was I uh, boy, you talk about onions as uh, you know, yeah. they say that that took some onions right there by Andy Reid. Yeah, and you know what the the play you liked the whole play cuz it was set up for them. Oh, they're going to Chad Henney is not throwing the ball no, on fourth and of one. Course not. <laughs> He's not doing that. As it turns out, Gordon, you know what? Uh the fact that he played the final week of the season Maybe Gave them helps. more confidence yeah. to, 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 you know, have him do play in that situation with that call because, you know, the fact that he was able to go, that gives them more confidence, which is enough, which, you know, if you're the Giants and you're a Giant fan, that's what everybody, they're hard to get, but you need a really good backup because you never know when your number one quarterback's going down. How important are backup quarterbacks in the National Football League, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't want to have to trust it uh, for a full game. But uh, when you have a 19-3 lead, uh, yeah, okay. And uh, I mean, that that interception that Henny threw, I I don't know what he was looking at. I don't know where he was throwing that because they were already set up pretty good. And if you get even three there, you, you should be in good shape. But I don't know where he was throwing that one. So they 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 dodged a bullet for sure. They dodged a huge bullet there. Bruce is in Flushing. Hey, Bruce, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How you doing? Hey Bruce, what's up? Not so much. I want to talk about. I want to talk about an article written by Tom Verducci, and also get to the Kluber signing. Do you have you ever heard? Did you, did you see his article in SI about the greatest forgotten game ever played? The um, MLB had an exhibition game to honor Lamar Luther King. Have I did you ever not heard, see heard about this game. I did not. What? Did you see it, Gordon? I saw it. I just saw it come up on my uh, Twitter feed about uh, 20 minutes ago or so. I have not read it as of yet. Okay, well, let me give you some highlights. Joe DiMaggio was one of the managers. Um, Tom Seaver was his, his starting pitcher with Bob Gibson on, coming out of the bullpen. Lou Brock, Roberto Clemente, and Al Kaline were on the bench. Roy Campanella was the opposing manager. The two, three, four spots in the order was Pete Rose, Hank Aaron, and Reggie Jackson. And Willie Mays flew from Japan to, to, to play his exhibition game and, only, and had one, one at bat. Some of the coaches were Sandy Colfax, Don Drysdale, Stan Musial, Satchel Page, and Larry Dober, Doby mm. in, on, in uniform. And, and this thing was on TV, but nobody has a, a copy of, of, of the game. Wow. Can you imagine that, oh, that was game? Tremendous. How does that happen that nobody has a copy of the? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, because baseball somewhere doesn't have a copy of it. Well, it wasn't televised by um, any one network. It was televised by like twelve, um, or twelve or fourteen small networks, probably in California, and and it was played the next day, and. For some reason, there's not nobody found a copy of this game. But but can you imagine watching this game? Oh, that would have been tremendous. Maybe you know maybe Troutwick's got it in the vault over at MSG <laughs> somewhere. I don't that know. That would be great to look it, at. 
some of the people in the, in the stands were Sammy Davis Jr. and Danny Kaye. Mm. Um, and, and the proceeds went to uh, the Sun Christian Leadership Council. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they wanted to do it the year that he was assassinated, but they felt there was too... I mean, too raw after after the event. Yeah. But yeah. you, you got to read this article, Larry. You, you would really it enjoy out. it. I definitely will. Um, on on Cuba, I hope Brian Cashman got some really great inside information from from the head trainer that he was training the Yankees, and was this guy's head trainer was named Cassily or Cressy? I think it is Cressy. Yeah. Because to give a guy $11 million when you hadn't pitched in two years, and and the people say they had a great workout, well, his pitches were only from 80, 89 to 91. I mean, it wasn't like he was throwing 95 miles an hour. And, again, his hopefully his trying to know everything's fine, everything's good, because, you know, it's, not, it's one thing if the, if, if the Yankees were – you know, doing a salary like in the old days when a little million dollars was like chump change. But now, when they're very tight with money, do you want to spend a little million dollars in a guy who hasn't pitched for two years and 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 not do anything else? That's an awful big gamble. Yeah, I and it's it's funny, Bruce. You bring that up because I keep hearing, oh, well, you know, it's a low risk move. It's a low risk move. It's low risk if eleven million dollars is not what it is to the Yankees right now. Eleven million dollars is a pretty is a pretty sizable risk when it does not see. Now look, maybe things change, maybe they have some deal up their sleeve to add to the rotation. This looks like their big move outside of bringing back DJ Lemayhu, which we all expected them to do. So I don't think it's a, a low risk move at all. It would have been a low risk move if it's five million. Five yeah, million maybe, building with, know, incentives. with incentives. Right. Give me incentives. If it was an incentive-laden could... deal, but this yes. is eleven million dollars, and it certainly seems like I know they have like ten million dollars left to spend. It certainly seems like this is it for a thirty. Uh, he's going to be thirty-five next year. I'm pretty sure a thirty-five-year-old pitcher who has not really pitched in the last two years because of a, a variety of issues, including the shoulder. Baseball fans know. You know, the elbow is bad. The shoulder is worse. So I, 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 I'm, I, I'm hoping for the best, but uh, I'm not exactly expecting the best out of this move. I will say this. Brian Cashman, I think, overall does a very, very good job as a GM. But Gordon, his weakness has been yep. free agent pitchers. Yeah, he has not done well when it comes to free agent pitchers and or trades, trading too. for they pitchers. Just never, right, and and sometimes I agree with them. Like uh, bringing Paxton here when he, you know, I said, oh, you know, this is a guy who's up and coming. Didn't work out the way you kind of hoped. So uh, this one, maybe it'll be the opposite. Maybe everybody will doubt it, and it'll turn out to be a home run. But uh, you know, thirty-five years old, eleven million bucks in a year where you're, you know, going through the the uh, the couch cushions looking for some dimes and some nickels. I don't look at that as low risk. I agree with you. I agree with you. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.